Well, good morning, and I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so glad that you find a place to sit. It looks a little different in the room. It's an exciting difference, I think. I thank the facilities team, James Chavez, for, for taking my idea and making it a reality. So I thank you so much for being here and being with us. And so um, I'm a great believer. I'm a teacher, and um, you know as a teacher of the deaf, so visual things were especially important when I was teaching. But I myself am the sort of person that learns by doing. So here's what I say to you. What I, what I hear, I repeat. And what I see, I report. But what I do, I remember. So I hope you will remember today with me. Now, I want you to pretend that this direction is east. And for those of you who are directionally conscious, it's going to bother you. Poor Sandy. She's, she's about to ride over there. I know she knows that. But if I set up the thing that way... It wouldn't have worked with the speaker. So here we go. This way. So this way, everybody point to it east. Which makes this direction what? Everybody say it. Oh, Sandy, tell us. North. Thank you. We need everybody to understand how the layout is east, north, which makes this direction opposite east being. And then this direction opposite north being south. So just give yourself a departure. This is not a geography lesson. But it is a math lesson, which shouldn't be surprising to you since the title of the study we are doing is what, everybody? Numbers. Numbers. And today I am your math substitute. I am your math substitute. And luckily for all of us, I have a lesson plan. So I'm going to try to go off this lesson plan as best I can because the one who wrote it knew everything and I'm just filling in for 20, 30 minutes. You with me on this? So don't be throwing spit wads at me as a substitute teacher. <laughs> Um, I can honestly say that I have never before done a Bible study with a calculator, but I did this week. I bet you didn't. <laughs> did you bring a calculator today? Because what if I make you do some math problems? Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. You know, the commentators tell us that the purpose of numbers, and I think that you could come up with this yourself, is to demonstrate that God needed to show an organized way to move his chosen people, whose numbers are upwards of hundreds of thousands, commentators do differ on how that could possibly be even close to a million based on how many boys and so forth, but hundreds of thousands of people moving from point A to point B. So you would take maybe Naperville, St. Charles, Geneva, Batavia, and try to move everybody at once. And so it's obvious that that would be challenging. As I thought about this lesson today, I thought about how I was going to get you in the right seats. But thankfully, I didn't have to do anything because y'all knew by looking at the place that you needed to fill in the, fill in the gaps. Here's another thing I tried to do this week. I have this um, packet here. Anybody know what it is? It's a tent. And I tried to put that up by myself in my living room. Now, that tent is very old. And it doesn't actually put up very well in the living room. You need to drive stakes into the ground to do it. Plus, here's the thing. Because it's so old and I've had it so long, I don't have what I needed to put it up, which is what, everybody? What do you need to put something together? Directions or instructions. <laughs> yeah. No, no directions or instructions. And because it's so old... It's not, they're not even on the internet. I mean, I tried to look it up. I don't have a part number, but I spent about two hours looking for the instructions to put up this tent because before I thought of James and this fine piece here, I thought of that. And I'll tell you what, without instructions and directions, it was a loss for me. So the book of Numbers gives us instructions and directions, and they are instructions and directions that are portable because the Israelites are on the move. 
move. They are. They're on the move. So especially in chapters 3 and 4, we understand how exactly these things are set up, but even more importantly, how they're going to be taken away. So let's pray. Father, you have established for us a meeting place with you, and it is in in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we are enjoying the company of others in that place where two or more are gathered. I ask you, Lord, to enlighten our minds and our hearts, make us excited for this ancient book and for what it has for us in these days. In your name I pray, amen. So, here's your math lesson for the day. Solve for R. Do you, do, you, do you know what I mean by solve for R? I mean, there's going to be a great story problem here. And the great story problem is, what does it cost to get right with God forever? And the equation is me plus R equals infinity and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear would say. Me plus R equals infinity. Now, you probably know, because you already came here loving Jesus, that Jesus is always the right answer. So you can go ahead and solve for R right now, everybody. What is R? Okay. Me plus Jesus equals infinity and beyond. But the Israelites did not know that at the time. So they were looking for R, some kind of redemption, some kind of way to be right before God. And God gave them a pattern and a methodology to to attempt to get right before God. Is there any um, value for learning in making mistakes? Anybody say there's any value? Were your greatest lessons learned after a... I mean, Michelle gave us one today. She made a mistake. God gave her a second chance. There was a lesson in that. This time in the desert is going to be full of attempts at and getting closer to and maybe not all the way at or totally blowing it with trying to get right with God. But we're going to look at what God provided and how to solve that problem. First of all, it gives us a lot of numbers. Moses determined that in order to organize these people, first thing he has to do is count them, so he does a census. And these are just some of the things he counts. The tribes of Israel, all the males a month up, the number of warriors, age 20 and up, the number of firstborn males of the 12 tribes, number of families of Levi, number of all Levites, Number of Aaron's sons, number of Levite servers, age 30 to 50, the price per person for redemption, and there's more. There's more. And this is just in a couple of chapters. So apparently the book is well named because numbers is what it's all about. So today, as I was thinking how I would lay you out, oh, I have so many handwriting things. Okay, I'm going to put so many people here. No, I'm going to, tell, I'm going to meet them at the door with a, with a color code. I'm going to put them in a chair. I'm going to tell the leaders ahead of time. I had to think through, how am I going to get you people the numbers of you here in this room in this way. At some level, just the setup beckoned you in, which is why God designed it to be in the middle of the lives of Israelites, because in and of itself, it gives a lesson. It's a lesson by looking. Now, we can dig more into that. One of the questions I had first was that first one up there, the, the number of tribes of Israel. Everybody knows this answer. Everybody say it. Well, oh, no, there's 13. <laughs> Let me tell you why. First of all, this is the family line of Jacob, also known as Israel, the father of the Israelites. Um, of his four women, two wives and a couple concubines, he, he had 12 sons, Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dinah, Joseph, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Okay, 
We know that, first of all, Dinah doesn't count, unfortunately. So 13 minus 1 is 12. Because there's 13 children altogether. So 13 minus Dinah makes the 12 tribes, right? But then I said to myself, where is Donnie Osmond? <laughs> because when we look later in the book, we see Joseph in the line here. But when we see the 12 tribes arranged around the tabernacle, there's no Joseph. So where did go, 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 Joseph go? That's what I wanted to know. Ah, so then I had to go back and look up into, so that's 12 minus 1 equals 11. That's 11 meaning tribes. But we know there's 12. We saw it in the book. We hear about it all the time. Where are they? Oh, back in Genesis, we see Joseph encountering his father Jacob Israel, who has come with his brothers to be um, welcomed back into the land of plenty at the time, which was Egypt. And they've made reconciliation for the wrongs that were done. And he says to his father, I give you my two sons as yours. And the names of his two sons are Manasseh and Ephraim. So Joseph takes himself out, that makes 11, and puts in his two sons, which makes 13 again. So now we have this problem because it's a square and he wants even numbers on each side of the temple. In fact, that's how he designs it. So I ask myself, what happens when you divide 13 by four sides of the square and you get three remainder one? We have one remaining tribe. And so you can look at this chart and see the three camps up on the top on the north side, which for our, for our illustration, let's see, this was east, west, north. That's you guys over here, the north side. You have Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. The three brothers are in troops there, each troop having each family line having its own identity, but all together they are, have, they, they are going to live under the banner of Dan. They're going to choose one name to live under that banner. That flag is going to rep, uh, represent their regiment. So we have, we're lining by troops. So we have on the north three troops, and on the south three troops, Gad. Simeon and Reuben, and they are under the flag or under the banner of Reuben. And then on the east, we have, um, where did east go? There it is. Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. So they would be that way because we're faking it, but that's east. And they're under one flag, the flag of Judah. And then on the west over here, we have Benjamin, Manasseh, and Ephraim. And they are organized also under a singular flag. They're going to move by troops as they leave this place. So that's our 12 tribes, but we have that remainder one. That's you. You are the remainder one. You are the Levites. The Levites are organized around, literally on the inner circle around the tabernacle. So here where you're sitting would be the tabernacle where I'm standing, and you are face forward to the tabernacle. Now there are only three groups of you here, which works out okay because... I want to go to this. Because if you look at this lineage, Jacob had one of his children was Levi, and he had three sons, Gershom, Kohath, and Marari. And that's who you represent right here. Kohath, Gershom, Marari. Kohath, Gershom, Marari. You are represented of this, the smaller breakouts of Levite. And there are even more breakouts in, in Scripture as well. But you are the tribe that's 
Closer in and higher up, as C.S. Lewis would say. Closer in and higher up to where the action is. And your job is not to be a marching troop, but it's to be a guard of the tabernacle. And in order to have that right, you, you, I mean, what makes you special? Of all the tribes, like why did Levi get this? Well, find the name Moses on Levi's chart, and you will see that Levi is his great-grandfather. This is a bloodline. Moses himself, who was guiding and leading the people, is of the family of Levites, and more specifically, of the family of Kohathites. So Aaron and Moses are brothers. Their father is Amram. Their grandfather is Kohath, and their great-grandfather is Levi. So Levi, you're all Levites, and you are representative of the greater number of people in Israel. They are out in the other room studying Bible study, not nearly as important as we are, closer up and higher, closer in and higher up. But you represent the inner circle of people that are going to take care of the tent. Now, the troops, they're going to make war with their enemies. But your job is to make peace with God. You will not be fighting. You will not be earning a soldier's wage. Your job is to guard and protect the temple. And altogether, there are 2,200 of you. And those of serving age, age 30 to 50, there are 8,580. Now, you remember when, when um, John the Baptist's father was doing his guard duty at the temple and the angel came to him and said, you're going to have a son, and, and then he goes mute. Uh-huh. He was doing his guard duty because he's a Levite. And we also know that Moses is a Levite because you can go back to the beginning of the story of Moses where there's the tar basket, and it says a Levite mother and a Levite father put their baby in the basket. You can find all this in there. So we know Moses is a Levite. John the Baptist's dad, Zechariah, was a Levite. He was a priest at the temple, a guard of the temple. He was not a warring guard or a policeman so much as a um, manager and protector of all of the most sacred things. And that's who you are today. So um, raise your hand if you want to be a Levite. Pat yourself on the back. You made it. Had nothing to do with you. It was all about the blood. It was all about the blood. All right, let's look at here. Of all the Israelites, the people in this room and beyond, of all the Israelites, not counting you, um, there were about 603,500 who were of fighting age, which is age 20 and up. And that's how this portion of numbers counts you. We do know that they give us a full total of everybody included uh, other places. And the most important number I want you to know is in yellow. And that's the number of firstborns of all Israelites. 22,273. Now, thinking back to the title firstborn, what do you remember about Egypt and Israel and firstborns? Raise your hand if you can give me any help at all. <coughs> the Passover. What about the Passover? Somebody embellish. Yes. Firstborn were to be killed if the blood wasn't on. <coughs> oh, it's about the blood again? The firstborns were to be killed if the blood were not over the doorway. So the blood was over the doorway, and the angel of death did what? Passed, Passed over, and the firstborns were redeemed. <coughs> you are now representing the firstborns of Israel. In that you are consecrated to be at this part of the temple, guarding and protecting the most important thing, the worship, the space of worship and awe. Moses says, here's from God, who says, instead of all the firstborns of Israel, 
I want you to choose my Levites to represent the firstborns. So no longer are we going to go into every household and all the troops that are up by the thousands behind you. You are going to represent, by virtue of your numbers, the firstborns. Now, if you remember, I think I told, I think I told you the number to remember there is 2,200 Levites. And I told you that you each have a job, but I want to do the math here first. So there are 2,200, 273 firstborn of Israelites, the people all out in the other rooms. And there are 22,000 of you. And the Bible tells us to do the subtraction. So 22,000 minus 273 mean 273 people who are out there in Israel who are not represented by the Levites because there's not enough of you. Those are the firstborns, 22,000. You are the all. We're counting every head in here and only the firstborns out there. You got that? Every head in here and only the firstborns out there. Okay, the difference is 273. And God says to Moses, you have to find a way to redeem the extras. In other words, there aren't enough representatives here in the room to represent every one of those firstborns. Uh, so there's a price. And the price is those people have to pay, all of Israel has to pay five dollars, five shekels. I don't know what that translates in modern money or with inflation. We're just going to go five. Um, five shekels for each unredeemed person. So 22,000 in here, 22,273, the difference is 273. Times five shekels, and lucky for you, you don't have to do the math, I did it for you, that's 1,365 shekels. And counting, because people are still having babies, right? So if I asked you what is the price of redemption, you might stop right here and tell me oh, it's 1,000. 365 shekels. But then what in the world is a tabernacle for? Ah, this is where we redeem the sins that are ongoing. So what does it cost for rejection? It costs 1,365 shekels, dot, 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 to infinity and beyond. So I want you to look at the, the uh, tabernacle and top down. <clears throat> tabernacle. Originally called Tent of Meeting, when it was just the Tent of Meeting, you'll recall that God's presence came down and Moses spoke to him face to face. The Tent of Meeting, when the presence was missing, could be moved. But not only when the, when the presence of God had left the Tent of Meeting. That's how they knew to go. I don't see the kind of glory of God, so it's time to march on. But originally it's Moses meeting with, with God by himself. Well, now he's gonna, God is going to give him instructions, which you're reading here in the lesson plan, of how to set up a consistent place to meet with God. So it has the outer court where we take care of the dirty parts of us. There's a bronze um, lab, laver, which is a, like if you think of the word laboratory, it's water. Bronze laver, water is a very um, antiseptic material, so you would wash ceremonially and your hands and feet otherwise. And there is a table of showbread, showbread being the 12 loaves that were given, that represented each one of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And every time there was, uh, every day those loaves were replaced, and those 12 loaves were used to feed the ministers of the temple, you. And there was an altar of incense, so that a pleasant smell would be wafting up. And those things were managed by the Levites particularly the Kohathites. Now, closer in, 
There's the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant. This is where only once a year does the high priest go. And he goes in through a veil, and he goes in to sprinkle the blood of the Lamb over the top of the Ark of the Covenant so that the sins of all the people are purified on Rosh Hashanah, on the Day of Atonement. One time. This here is the Holy of Holies. You're looking at the Holy of Holies. Let's look at them outside. This is the outside of the tent. Lots of explicit directions in Exodus. It was covered with um, special woven uh, cloths, red dyes, and so forth. In the very top, it was covered with an animal skin, a manatee skin. Can anyone guess why you would want a manatee skin over the top of your temporary dwelling? Yes, very good. Waterproof. Here's the altar for burnt offerings. It had very specific rules about the way the horns had to be, and this is where uh, various sins would be atoned for. It has its instruments. This is the bronze washing labor, at least one version of it. I've seen many. This is the high priest at the altar of incense, also by prescription. These things are so explicitly written out in Scripture. And, you know, other Bible studies, one I did last semester, had us trying to draw them from the written description, and I'm sorry. Um, it was like that game where you draw things and it keeps morphing. It looked nothing like this. Um, so we're thankful that people can really study these things and give us some, some depictions of them, but even the depictions vary at some point, which is why when I say what you see, you report, but what you do, you remember. If I had built that, I would remember how. I also remember how that thing doesn't work, that tent over there. Table of showbread, there's 12 loaves in there. Um, this is the light, the eternal light. It is an oil lamp. And I want to demonstrate to you there's this difference between um, the, la the light um, on the left, which is explained in Exodus, and the light on the right, which is a menorah. So you have to say what the difference is. Somebody tell me what is the difference, at least one of the most important differences. Different number, different number of lights. How many lights on the Exodus 25 version? Seven. Seven. And how many on the menorah? Nine. And the menorah is used to celebrate Hanukkah, which is the eight days that the, the oil lasted in the temple. And the top one is the initiator. We use candles. <coughs> That's the, the miracle in Maccabees, about eight days lasting in the temple. So that's a, different, that's a different instrument. I thought they were the same thing, but they are not. So we have the, the light. And then we have, this is the Ark of the Covenant. And you will notice particularly that it's made out of fine materials, but also has a means for moving it. And you heard about what happened when someone touched that Ark inappropriately. So it was built with moving in mind. You see that? And over the top are two angels or cherubim with their wings stretched out. And in the middle is called the mercy seat. And that's where the Shekinah glory of God came right down. That's where the glory of God resided. And that's where the blood sacrifice of a pure spotless lamb was given. On that spot by the high priest. Inside the tabernacle, you have the Ten Commandments. Sometimes it's called the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, or the Ark, that is. The Ark. Inside the Ark of the Covenant is... Or, um, is the law, the Ten Commandments. Um, also, manna in, from, we don't know what it looks like, but there's a depiction of what manna would be. That's from Exodus 16. And then from Exodus 34, one, we have Aaron's staff that has budded. You'll hear about that in Numbers. Aaron's staff that's budded. It's a dead piece of wood, 
And when selecting the leader, when there's, there's going to be some contention over who's the high priest, and all of the tribes put their staffs out, and the one that buds is the one that God chose, and that's Aaron. So we have death to life, the law, and bread for life inside the Ark of the Covenant. All right, so your homework now is to solve for R. You really already solved for it, didn't you? You told me R equals what? Jesus. Yes, but that's not what they knew. They didn't know that the Redeemer Jesus would be the answer, but we do. So I'd like somebody, I'd like um, two of my co Two of my coalites. I have to go back a minute. I have to teach you something about the co- but about your duties. I forgot to teach you about your duties. All right. So the coalites. Okay, you can see that I have suitcases here because this is my modern version of moving along. These suitcases have been through a lot. By the time forty years in the desert were up, they'd been through more. So there are very specific duties and jobs for people to manage this stuff while en route. So um, Kelly. Would you open this up and tell us what you see? Just what you see with your eyes. Door number two. Um, I see a... No, just don't touch it. Just tell us what you see. (laughs) I see like a picnic basket, um, a plate. Mm -hmm. Can I lift up the other thing? No, just tell us what those other things are. Well, the blanket. Can I take this thing off? Okay, no. <laughs> and I'll tell you why in a minute. So what is that? What color is that? Oh, blue. Blue cloth. Thank you so much. Will somebody from over here open this up for me? Tell us what you see with your eyes, just having a look. Uh, white um, curtain. Curtains. And something shiny underneath. Something shiny and underneath. Fuzzy underneath. And I think you can tell what this is because I already referred to it. I just say it out loud. Tent. 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 What do you think is in the bag in front of it? Tent stakes. Oh. Tent stakes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tent poles, tent stakes. That's correct. Okay, and the reason Kelly can't lift those things up is because the job of moving those things belongs to the high priest, Kelly. (laughs) And, And the ordained priesthood. So let's go through this. Moving of the sacred items without looking or without looking at them directly, looking at them through what would be this blue veil are the coincides. The movement of the, of the curtains and the riggings, and in your case, we can look at them. Obviously, this is a skin of a manatee. <laughs> Ropes, and any kind of hangings that might fit in the temple. That's your job. And your job, I'm sorry, you're last on the totem pole, you're also last with the pole, is to set up the poles and the outside structure. The Merorites got the, you know, got the worst job. Maybe it was a sibling rivalry thing. But you remember that Moses and Aaron are Kohathites. So he's given the most sacred work, and that is to moving this, but not touching it or even looking at it directly. Only the high priest and his priesthood could do that. So you have now been called high priest. Come over here, high priest. I want you to show me what's in that box. All right, now you can now you can get some things out, and I want you to choose Aaron. Who will be an Aaron? You will be her Aaron, and you and Aunt Moses um, can pass through this restricted opening from the outer court into the tabernacle because you are the high priest. So, what I'm asking you to do today is to think about think about somebody look this up for me. Matthew twenty six twenty six through twenty nine. All right, and while they're looking that up, 
I'm going to ask you to come over here and do what you think is appropriate with the things that you have in your box, but not until I do one important thing. This is like a bad trick. Can you verify for me what this is? What is this? Yeah, anything special about this end of it? Let's start this way. Now, do your best, Martha Stewart. Aaron had two sons that lived on to be part of the priesthood. The two younger sons. The older sons had some sort of violation that was is not explained well that disqualified them and they died. So Aaron and his two sons and Moses represent the four people who sit on the east in front of the rest of the tribes. This alone is the place to sit on the east. The door of the temple or the tabernacle and the temple later open to what direction? Because that's where the rising of the sun is. So this is the east, this is where the high priest and the priesthood sits and there are people behind them. And the only people available to do this kind of work are the very high priests because they're the only ones who can touch it or even see it. So the rest of the Kohathites had to be protected from touching or seeing these things by wrapping them in purple and blue and red cloths, which are also designated in scripture. But lucky for us, Kelly didn't die for having looked beyond the moon because she is the high priest with Aaron. So, does somebody have that Matthew verse? Anybody look that up? Nobody did at all? This is going to be this is going to be homework for you. I can see that. I'm going to read it for you. Matthew 26, 26 through 29. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink on it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, you will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Infinity and beyond. So here we have a table. Set for two. And there's one chair designated white and spotless. For Jesus. Our sacrificial lamb. And the other table, the other chair is for us. And there is no sacrifice, there is no oil, there is no water, there is no light, there is no word, there is no wine, because it's all here. This is the tabernacle that we are welcome to. The veil that's torn allowed us through the passage and in. And that is Jesus. 
And when you look at this lengthy list of people and numbers and things to do, I want you to know that God knows you. He's made provision for you. He has a hairs on your head number. And he says, come in and dine. I'm ready. Are you ready? He tore the veil that separates. He stands at the door and knocks and invites us to dinner. He has a place prepared for us. His banner over us is not Kohathites, Jebusites, Merarites, it's love. He's our living water. He's the lamb who was slain. He is the sprinkled blood. He is the oil of our gladness. He is the pleasing fragrance of our knowledge. He is the light of the world. He is the word made flesh and dwelling among us. In him is mercy. He is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He is the bread from heaven broken for us. He is our way and our destination. He says, stay awake, be ready. The trumpets will sound and I will come again. He will lead us in a triumphant procession. Are you ready? I never thought I'd want to study the book of Numbers. It seems pretty boring. But it is really rich. Because the evidence that Christ is among us is right here at this table. Let's pray. You are the way. You are our life, our food. You are the living water. You offer us mercy. You told us it isn't burnt offerings and sacrifices that you desire, but a humble and contrite heart. And Lord, we're in the outer courts working on our contrite hearts so that we can humbly sit at your feet. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Thank you for living and dwelling among us as your word. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit who does not leave us abandoned, but coaches and guides. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your once and for all sacrifice to infinity. We ask that we hunger after it more than anything else, Lord Jesus. Create that hunger in us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I think that's...